I want to welcome you into the Sunday Preaching Podcast of the Point Church, located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. Thank you, Rev. So take your Bibles and uh, turn over to 1 Kings chapter 17. And uh, while you're going there, I, you know, <laughs> I love it because like everybody came up to me today while we were eating dinner and you, you guys are still trying to figure out Chatsworth, Georgia. Like, what is that, right? So how many uh, Gator fans in here? Florida Gators, right? God help them all, right? But anyway, that's cool. That's good. That's, that's fine. Let me, let me tell you a little nugget about Chatsworth, Georgia. Your new football coach, Billy Napier, is from Chatsworth, Georgia. So he was a quarterback at Murray County High School, and his dad, uh, there's a generation of men that are about my age that played football for his father, and he was instrumental in, in a lot of those men's lives, and it represented a real turnaround point for them. Uh, his dad was a great man of God, and Billy is a, a guy with incredible character. And I want to tell you, if character translates into coaching, you got you got a really good coach, right? It, it, it's going to be a great thing. So, uh, but he, yeah, he's from Chatsworth, Georgia. So, uh, if the Gators get really good, we're just going to bring him right back home, Chatsworth, Georgia, and get rid of that, right? But uh, another thing is, um, I, I forgot to bring these in here last night, but uh, I, I'm, I like to write. That's kind of something that I do on the side. I've got a, a website. It's called thecaffeinatedchristian.com. And I've written two books. I have one of those here tonight. Uh, the first one I wrote is called The Walk, and, and it's on Amazon. Um, and it's just about asking one question every single day that helps you to accomplish the greatest goals that God has for you. And it's about slowing life down, doing it in a different place. Really interesting when you go through the Bible to see how many times the word walk is mentioned. And so I, I was in a Bible study about that. God kind of used it and launched it into a book. The one I have here tonight is called Pulse, uh, and it's about the life of David. And this book is written primarily for men, and it's even written primarily for men that don't like to read, which is most men, right? So there's a lot of sports stuff in here, a lot of cool things that would grab you. I say a lot of good things about Alabama football. Lord help us all, right? It's, but, but there's some, some cool stuff in there about that. If you like sports uh, and you're interested in the life of David, who is a guy that crashed and burned a lot, but, but he just kept going after God. And when his life would get out of rhythm, the Lord would bring him back. And so that, that's what Pulse is about. A lot of, of guys get into what I call life fib, when your life gets out of rhythm. And seeking the Lord helps you to bring that back. So those are out there. On that table, they're, they're $10. There's questions in there that you can use in a men's Bible study or something like that. But hey, I'd love to talk to you after the service today about that. But tonight, I want to talk about Elijah, the man of God. When Jesus was transfigured before the inner circle of his apostles, they saw a glimpse of his glory. But there were two men that appeared with Jesus. Do you remember who they were? Moses and Elijah. When you think of the pantheon of prophets in the Bible, Moses and Elijah are the top of the heap, two powerful men of God. As the Old Testament prophecies end, Malachi mentions both of them in chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. He says, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and the rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. Behold, I'll send you Elijah, the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Malachi says, remember the law of Moses, but Elijah is going to return. That's really interesting. So let's take a little Bible quiz. I, I told, I can't remember who the guy was out there, and he, he grabbed one of these books, and I said, hey, there's questions in there, and he said, oh, great, a test, right? Well, that's not quite what it is, but 
But let's take a little pop quiz right here in the middle of the service. You don't have to answer this out loud, but just kind of get it in your heart and mind. All right, here you go. Think of everything you know about Moses. That's a lot, right? Wrote the first five books of the Bible. This is the guy that the Lord used in the Exodus to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. The guy parted the Red Sea, right? This is the guy that turned bitter water into sweet water, struck a rock, water comes out of it. Staff to the ground, turns into a snake. What I'm not going to do is pick it back up, turn it back into a snake. I'm just going to let the snake go. Hey, go buy a new staff, man. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But there's, he, he does these unbelievable water into blood. I mean, think of all the things that Moses did. All right, now, here's the second question on the quiz. Think of everything you know about Elijah. Now, if you've been in church any length of time, you would probably name something like this. He, he multiplied the oil for the widow. He, he raised the widow's son from the dead. The marquee event, everybody who points in the life of Elijah... He, he called down fire on the prophets of Baal, lift up, lapped up the water on the altar and proved that there's really only one God. Everybody knows that story, right? If you get into the deep cuts, he, he called down fire upon two groups of 50 soldiers who were coming out to meet him. But, but let, me, let me ask you this. What did Moses write that's in the Bible? First five books, man. I mean, it, Moses has a psalm in the Bible, right? There's a lot of things that, that Moses wrote. Here's my question to you. What did Elijah write? Now, if you have a state champion Sunday school teacher, somebody in this room might be able to answer that question. There is recorded in the Bible one letter that Elijah wrote to the king. And he told him something really bad was going to happen. And I'll let you go home and read that, and you'll just close your Bible and go, whew, that's tough, right? <laughs> but, hey, it's a weird letter, y'all, but that's all we get for him out of the Bible. Think about this. What about his birth? Isaiah, man, you know something about Isaiah's call, right? He, he saw God in the temple high and lifted up. Jeremiah, man, we know Jeremiah before he was even born, God had a plan for him. What about Elijah? There's nothing about his birth. There's nothing about his call. I want you to think about this. No crowds. No sermons. There's five sermons of Moses in the book of Deuteronomy. There's no sermons of Elijah. As a matter of fact, if you read his story, his, his greatest prophecies are one sentence long. And there's one person in the room, usually the king. He multiplied the oil. You know how many people were there to see it? Two. <laughs> That's it. He raised a kid from the dead. You know how many people were there to see it? One. That's all. He wasn't very good with crowds. He drew a big crowd of people to the prophets of Baal and killed them all, right? I mean, it just... You, Elijah doesn't have a whole lot of things going on. Now, see, think about this. Do you realize that Elijah only exists in about three and a half chapters of Scripture? He's not in there much. But man, he's in there in a powerful way. And if you read those three and a half chapters of Scripture, the average reader, you could read the entire life of Elijah in 11 minutes. Which means everything we know represented him. Think about this in comparison to Moses. Moses, what you know of him is his early childhood, how he was delivered, his, 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 his 40 years of his life in the wilderness, the last 40 years of his life, man, leading the people of God. You realize what we have recorded of Elijah is really only happens in a few days and really comes down to just a few hours of his existence. But he was a powerful, unusual man that God used in a miraculous way. So our question tonight is this. What made him so powerful? And I think that's a question that ought to interest us. And here's why. Because Elijah is linked to us in the book of James. James is talking about prayer. He's talking about the church. James chapter 5, 
starting in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praises. Anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who's sick. The Lord will raise him up. If he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. You see, the vision that James has for the church is a group of people who can get together in pivotal times of people's lives that when sin causes sickness, when it even brings them to the point of death, that the church can gather and worship and pray and amazing things begin to happen that make an eternal difference in people who are falling away from the faith that the church can bring them back through miraculous prayer. And we go, oh, man, I, I could see like a group of, of pastors getting together and maybe doing something like that. Brian, we're Baptists. We're not very Pentecostal around here. We don't, we don't really know. We're so hesitant when we hear about God using us in powerful moments, pivotal moments. We're like, man, I, that seems like it's for spiritual giants. And just before you count yourself out that God would ever use you like that, James says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Listen, he didn't choose Jeremiah there. He didn't choose Isaiah there. Listen, James didn't even choose to say Moses. Under the Holy Spirit of God, James writes that your nature and our nature is most like Elijah's? Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it didn't rain on the earth. Then he prayed again. And the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wonders from the truth, has that ever happened in this church? Is that happening in this church? And someone brings him back. Let him know that whoever brings a sinner back from his wandering will save a soul from death. Didn't Elijah do something like that? And will cover a multitude of sins. The vision of James is for a people like us to get together at pivotal times in people's lives and pray in such a way that it would make an eternal, lasting difference and save them from the brink of death. And it's people with a nature like Elijah that God uses to do that. So don't be hesitant to become that kind of a people. And that ought to really interest us then to say, okay, so then where did he get that power how did it all come about? If he had a nature like ours, how, how do I get to a point where God uses me like that? So before we answer that question, I want you to play along with me with a little bit of honesty. And don't go Sunday school teacher on me right here, right? So I know when I ask this, y'all are going to be like, oh, we're going to get a real church. No, don't give me churchy answers, all right? Just, just Let's just... just out of who we are, let's talk for a minute. Okay, so if, if God called us together to be the marketing team that launches Elijah to be a powerful man that's greater than Isaiah and Jeremiah, that is 1A, 1B with Moses, but not quite as powerful as Jesus, right? And that's our assignment, to put this guy's life out there in such a way that God used him, right? What would be your strategy to get the guy started? All right, so let's not give the Sunday school leader, well, we'd just pray real hard. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. You know what you'd do? 
We would all like immediately, hey, he needs social media account, man. We, he needs to get trending, right? People need to know who this guy is. We, we need some three and a half second videos that just blow people's mind on TikTok. We need this guy to go viral, right? Recognizable. We need to platform him. We need to put him at passion conferences, speak in an arena in front of thousands of college students. We need to put him on the circuit, going to conferences, getting in front of notable, notable pastors, putting on platforms like that. The dude needs a book deal. How to do miracles and influence people by Elijah, right? We need to make that a New York Times bestseller, right? We need to really get him out there. Conferences, revivals, social media presence, get him on Passion, Joe Rogan's podcast. I mean, we got to get him out there, y'all, right? That's the way we'd move Elijah. And listen, you know that's how we would do it. You know why? Because that's how we do everybody else that we want the world to know about. But what if one guy stands up in the back of the room and he goes, Hey, I got an idea. What if, and look, I know this sounds crazy, but what if, you know how when you go down to the beach, and there's that dude out there, and there's all those seagulls around. And, and you throw like one cracker out, and the seagulls are like, why? They just attack, and there's a cloud of seagulls. They come from miles away because they know there's one cracker on the beach. And man, they just come swooping in. Hundreds of seagulls. You ever seen that guy do that where he's throwing bread to the seagulls? What if we took Elijah to the beach? And we got the birds to bring him bread. Everybody go, what? <laughs> no, 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 I know it sounds crazy, but what? But what if, what, what if we take him down to the park and instead of him throwing bread to the pigeons, pigeons bring him bread? Everybody in the room would go, nah, it's crazy. The world doesn't work like that, right? That just that sounds needy. It puts him in a vulnerable place. But do you know what? That's exactly how the Elijah story starts out. That's exactly how it starts out. Look, look at 1 Kings chapter 17. Now, Elijah the Tishbite of Tishbe, of course, he's Tishbite, right? In Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Y'all notice something there? One sentence. We just platformed one of the greatest men of God with one sentence to a group of one people. <laughs> I mean... Listen, he doesn't get introduced at the Passion Conference. And let's all get a dose of reality for a moment. Right? Let's, let's just be honest in here. Passion isn't looking for any of us. I don't see anybody in the room. I, maybe Tim. Not me. Right? I can tell you that. Passion isn't calling. Right? They're, they're not looking for Brian Branham to come up on the stage. That's probably never going to happen in my life. We're not getting platformed like that. And hey, I just hate to tell you this. Passion's probably not looking for you. So here's my question to you. You may not be great with big crowds. You may not speak in big conferences. But can anybody in here handle one sentence? Man, I, dude, I don't know. Dude, I can't even speak in front of 30 people. Let me ask you this. Can you speak to one? That's how God started out a great man of God. One sentence from God to one person. Could you walk up to a person who is floundering in their faith, take a word of Scripture that God has given you, and place it well in a person's life and make an eternal difference in them. You think you could handle that? If you could, 
God could use you like Elijah. So our daughter Kylie, she deals with a lot of anxiety, like debilitating anxiety. And when I tell you this, you're going to be like, no, dude, you're nuts. And I am, but I'm telling you the truth on this one right here, right? But Kylie, when she was in the eighth grade, actually went blind because of, of, of stress. You're like, no, man, somebody can't go blind because of stress. Look up S-T-R-E-P-H, strep syndrome. A lot of girls between the ages of 13 and 15 get this. And it all started when she saw Shannon's father, who I told you had six heart attacks. He had number five right in front of my daughter when she was home with him by herself. And she couldn't get it out of her mind. And she literally lost her vision. We would take her to the eye doctor. We didn't know if she had a tumor. We didn't know what was going on. They checked her out. The eye doctor said, look, listen, her eye is physiologically, biologically perfect. But her brain has convinced her she can't see. It was one of the wildest things we've ever been through with her. She deals with debilitating amounts of anxiety. When she was in about the eighth grade, ninth grade, somewhere in there, she's really battling her weight and her body image and all this. And man, she was really seeking the Lord. And she was trying to be like a worship leader in our youth group when our worship band was kind of falling apart for the youth group. And she was stepping in there like as a, as a, a middle schooler trying to pull it together. I mean, she's really trying to rise up and let the Lord use her. And we even had some adults in our church that would have just attacked her. And she was struggling so much. And I, man, I could just see Satan trying to grind my daughter and take her out of the game before she ever really even got started. My, my wife and, and daughters love that show, The Voice, right? How many of you watch The Voice? It's pretty cool, right? Flip a chair around, change a light kind of thing. So this guy, I think it was 2017, 2018, his name was Chris Blue, and he won that season of The Voice. And Christian guy, he, he sang a song, Take Me to Jesus, that was, I mean, he took him to church in the semifinals of The Voice. It was amazing. And Kylie loved this guy. So he's from the Knoxville, Tennessee area. So that winter, he was actually in a, a production that was going on in Pigeon Forge. He was going to be there and be a part of that. So for Christmas, we bought her tickets to go and see Chris Blue. And we even bought a little backstage pass so she could see him and meet him and all that kind of stuff. And if you've been anything like this, you know how it is, man. We're going through there, and he's standing up there, and he's like, Hey, man, good to meet you. Thank you all so much for coming. Click, picture, you know, and then you just move them on through and all this kind of stuff. It's, it's pretty cool, right? So we get up there, and, and he's, he's being nice to everybody. All of a sudden, he turns around to Kylie and he says, he just, he stops everything. And he grabs her on the shoulders and he says, there is such an anointing on your life. And God is going to use you in an amazing way. He said, I can see it all over you. I'm like, what? <laughs> Dude, you were like in a Christmas play like 10 minutes ago. It was like the world stopped and heaven and earth collided for a moment and one sentence launched my daughter. She heard from God in that moment. And I, I, I appreciate Chris Blue and just how he's been open to letting the Lord use him. And he didn't have to do that. He didn't say anything like that to anybody else like that. But I want to tell you, what in the world would it do from some students in this church if some adults had a relationship with God that could look into their life at a pivotal moment, get a word from the Lord, and place it eternally on their heart? That's Elijah's stuff, y'all. One sentence to one person. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. So he delivers his message to the king. And then look at verse 2. This is so important. It says, And the word of the Lord came to him. 
That's, that defines everything about Elijah, the word of the Lord. The word of the Lord came to him, depart from here and turn eastward, hide yourself by the brook of Cherith, which is east of Jordan. You'll drink from the brook I've commanded, the ravens to feed you there. There it is. <laughs> We're, just go sit by the water and let the birds bring you bread, dude. That's act number two, one of the most powerful men of God. Go sit by the water. Birds will bring you bread. <laughs> so, verse 5, I look, he, and look at this. This is so pivotal. He went and he did what? According to the word of the Lord. So he lived by the brook of Cherith. That's east of Jordan. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no more rain in the land. And guess what, Elijah? That's your fault, right? You know, we have a problem in the American church in that our children are growing up in church and then they're growing out of church. They're falling away. And here's the problem, y'all. Here's the problem. And I, I want you to take this in balance, right? The reason our children are falling away from the church is because we are farming out the power of God to the platform guys. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean by that we want them in church, right? And, and man, it's the youth pastor's job to say something to really get a hold of my kids. And man, let's, let's I don't want to, just you, Pastor Tim, man, I, I'm trusting Pastor Tim and his influence on their life. And I want them to hear the sermons on Sunday because I think it's going to have, and then we do youth camp. We send them to a big conference and they hear it and they get fired up and all this kind of stuff. And listen, all that stuff is great. And God uses those things in unique ways. He uses pastors and youth pastors and youth conferences and platforms and all those kind of things. But listen, having a guy speak to them that 30 minutes who's really cool is not going to keep a minute for the rest of their life. You know what's going to keep, it in, keep a minute for the rest of their life? If they could come, come home to a house where they see God bring their family bread with birds. If they could see God working miraculously every day in their parents' lives, if they, listen, if they could hear from God, not just from your pastor, but every once in a while get a sentence from you, I'm going to tell you, that would let them know it's real. If, if a kid can see, man, these, these kids, I love it. That Man, Reverend, Pastor Tim, man, he gets up praying for these kids. I love that. That was awesome, dude. That was awesome. I'm going to start doing that in my church, man. Praying for the kids, right? I love that. That's so cool. But what if we could send these kids home? And they could see birds bring their parents bread. Moments where the earth reverses. And the only way you can explain it is God. Let me tell you what's kept me in this. I, I have been groomed by some of the greatest men of God, some unbelievable theologians in my education. I've had a wonderful opportunity to, to sit under amazing teachers. If you have an ESV Bible and you have the study version of the ESV Bible, I saw the notes on my professor's desk when he edited them before he sent them to the publishers. I've sat under people like that. But the greatest theologian I ever knew was my mammal. That's what we call them in Chatsworth, mammal. She had a fifth grade education. But she taught herself to read with the only book her family owned when she was a child. Guess what it was? The Bible. Man, she could take the Bible, and the Bible was like a commentary on her day. I mean, she was walking through Scripture. I can remember as a little kid, she lived in a four-room house. 
Every room you walk through the house, you turn the lights on by pulling a drawstring, right? There's one light bulb. Y'all remember this, right? There's one air conditioner in one window in the living room. That's it. She was a very poor woman. Man, she was rich in God. She knew the Lord. And I can remember as a child sitting there on the porch, and man, she'd sit there and she'd have a big old, big old metal bowl between her knees, and she'd be breaking beans and She'd be teaching me the Bible, and she'd be showing me. And I'll tell you, my mamaw's the kind of person. She'd go, Brian, how's school going? And you go, well, mamaw, there's this kid has been picking on me. He's been bullying me. And she'd just like kneel her head down, and she'd pray like Psalm 610. And all my enemies shall be ashamed and greatly troubled. They would turn back and be put to shame in a moment. I'd go back to school on Monday. That kid's family moved to Chattanooga, transferred to another school. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be unbelievable, man. <laughs> that, that's the way she was man I'd see birds bring her bread only things that God could do the earth would reverse when she would begin to pray and she would begin to quote scripture my dad was the youngest of 10 children when she died at the age of 95 she had 6 generations of grandkids now she has like 30 <laughs> there's, there's little Branhams all over the place I can remember spending the night in her house and, and her bedroom is on one side of the house and her little guest room is on the other side of the house. There's a little big bathroom in between. You could hear everything that she was saying in that other room. And she'd be in there by herself talking to God. And I could hear her doing this in the middle of the night. And I would hear her praying for every single one of her children. She'd be calling out their names. She'd be calling out the names of her grandchildren. And then she would always pray this, Lord, and for all my generations, because, Lord, at some point there's too many of them to name, right? But one thing I heard her pray over and over and over, God, would you please call a preacher out of all my generations? Did you know in six generations of kids I'm the only one that's a preacher? And I really believe it's because of her prayers and me hearing that and God getting a hold of my life. Man, I went to some awesome youth camps. I've sat under some amazing teachers. But I want to tell you what really changed my life was seeing the birds bring my mammal bread. Only things God could do. Last year in our church, we felt like God was leading us to pray for 100 people to be saved and baptized. Coming out of COVID, we were only running 250 people. Our, our church had dwindled down to about half. I mean, it's like half of our congregation just vanished and all this. It was a really depressing time. And so we felt like last year, God, we're going to pray and we're going to strategize and we're going to work. And we want to see 100 people saved and baptized. We saw 104 saved and baptized. That was awesome. That was pretty awesome. But that's not the coolest part of it. One Sunday, we got in there and we got on our knees and we prayed. And one of the things that we prayed, God, would you take people who've never even heard about liberty, wake them up, bring them here so they can hear the gospel. We prayed that. That next week, a girl named Amber Brown called our secretary frantic. She said, I've got to talk to somebody. Can I come up there and see someone? She's like, yeah, come on. She comes up, listen to me. She says this. She said, last night I got woken up four times by a voice that said, go to a church. She said, I'd go back to sleep. I'd hear the voice again. Go to a church. I'd wake up straight up in my... She said, I heard that four times last night. I'm just sitting there going, yeah, I know who that was. <laughs> Samuel heard that voice too. She said, I called a friend. I, I, I said, I've heard this voice telling me to go to church. Where do I go? Her friend came to Liberty. She said, man, you need to come. And so she walks in, man. She's crying, frantic, telling me this story. We take the gospel. We share it with her. She's born again. Another guy named Daryl with debilitating anxiety to the point he had quit his job. He had become a recluse, sitting in his home alone, day after day, not knowing what to do. He began to read the book of John. He got saved reading the book of John. This guy wouldn't leave his house. So all he had was God and the Bible. So he, he read the book of John. He got saved. Then he started to read the book of Acts. And you know what? He realized he needed to be baptized. So you know what he did? He got on Google. And he literally Googled. I asked him. I said, dude, how did you find this? This way he did. He said, I Googled, where can I go to get baptized? 
I will tell you, Liberty Baptist Church came up number one in that search result. Listen, I've tried to replicate that. I can't make it happen. So he comes. We're in the middle of staff meeting. He tells us a story of what he's done. He says, man, I want to get baptized. I've been saved. I want to get baptized. We filled it up. It's freezing cold water. Baptized him right there on Tuesday and right in the middle of staff meeting. I want to tell you, sometimes God can touch the algorithm of Google, change it in just a moment, and all of a sudden, the birds will bring you bread. We've taught our daughters to be givers, to never fear giving. And we've seen this happen in our lives over and over again. It's amazing. We can give something and the Lord will give it right back. I know a lot of people say, man... God's prospered us and God's never prospered us in giving. He's never prospered. He's never turned it into 10 times or 100 times. I hope he has for some of y'all and that must be really cool, but he just gives it back to us. But it's awesome, right? And, and we showed our daughters this so many times. We'll, we'll give it out and we'll put it back. So I told y'all we like the Mexican van. I like the meal tonight. It was really good, y'all, right? So we're headed to Sierras one night, right? And, and there's this one server, and he, he probably doesn't know five words of English. And I really don't think he can hear because even what he says, he's, he's got that sound where you can tell that he struggles with speech and he's not real sure what you're saying back to him. But we love him because he just always got a smile and he greets us and he, he brings us joy and he blesses us. His name's Raul. He rides a bicycle every day to work that I know is 40 years old because a kid in my neighborhood named Robbie Guest had the same bicycle in the 80s. And he always parks it right beside the metal donkey right in front of Sierra's. If you ever want to see it, it's always right there, right? So we're, we're, we're getting ready to go. The girls get in the car, and I just kind of stopped. And I walked back in the house. Shannon said, what are you doing? I said, I just feel like God is, I just feel like I'm going to get $50, and we're going to give it to Raul tonight. I just feel like that's what the Lord... And, and Shannon goes, that's cool. Yeah, good. Kylie's sitting in the back seat, sees the whole thing. We get in there. We stop by the grocery store. Shannon puts the $50 in a card, writes him a nice little note. I don't even know if he could read it. We give it to him. Man, he is just floored. I mean, it's, he's, he's so happy. He's so happy. So we knew, hey, we're being obedient to the Lord. We go to church the next day. You know what happens? Woman walks up to us and says, hey, we appreciate y'all so much. She gives us a little card. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking there's $50 in that card. You're wrong. You know what was in that card? A $50 gift card to the same restaurant. That's what was... <laughs> hey, listen, I know that's a goofy example. But my girls have seen the birds bring us bread. They've seen the world reverse, only things that God can do. Let me ask you this question. Have your kids and your grandkids seen you in the Word of God? Have they heard you on your knees praying for your generations? Have they, have they experienced in pivotal moments, man, maybe it's just one sentence of something from Scripture that the Lord laid on your heart that you have given to them. When my oldest daughter Morgan got married, I, I gave her a gift. And that gift was a Bible. I, I told you guys I like to write. I, I love journaling Bibles. And I go through Scripture and I write and it was a Bible that I'd been writing in for eight years. Every page filled with things that God had given me. I, I, I turned around on the day before she got married and I gave her all the bread that God had given me. Beginning of last year, I bought another Bible and I began working on it for Kylie. I'm in 2 Kings right now, but right now she knows what I'm in there doing in my study. She walks out of her bedroom. She looks down the hall. She sees 7 o'clock in the morning. I've been in there for two hours in the Word of God, writing words to put into her life that one of these days, on a pivotal day, 
whether she's moving far away or she's getting married or whatever, I'm going to put that word in her hand and she will have all the bread God has given me. Do your kids see your life shaped by the word of God? Have they seen the birds bring you bread? That will make an eternal difference in them. And the vision of God is that our lives would be places where earth and heaven collide. Remember when Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Who do you think he's talking about there? Do you know what it means that you're created in the image of God? To be created in the image of God means everywhere you are is to carry on the work of creation, of bringing chaos into order. And how did God do it? By His Word, day by day, He turned chaos into creation. How can you turn a world that's moving back into chaos? You do it day by day by the Word of God. The vision for your life is that you would be the intersection of heaven and earth. And you say, gosh, Brian, I, I don't really know. Elijah was a man with a nature like yours. I saw heaven and earth collide in my mamaw's life. I saw heaven and earth collide when Amber Brown came walking through the door after she'd been woken up four times that night with a voice. I saw heaven and earth collide for a moment when a guy Googles, where can I get baptized today? <laughs> and for one millisecond in eternity, Liberty Baptist Church becomes the most searched after church in the world for one dude. I saw heaven and earth collide when a guy that just gave an unbelievable concert looked at my daughter Kylie at a tough point in her life, a guy we'd never met, and he stopped everything he was doing and he said, I can see the anointing of the Lord on your life. She'll never forget that sentence. Elijah's life can be read in 11 and a half minutes. It really only co covers about a few hours of his entire existence. And all the wonderful things, do you know how it all started? It all started with one sentence and him sitting by the river. And can you imagine the anointing that came upon his life? while he's just there experiencing God, seeing earth reversed and what God can do and making even birds bring you bread. And he launches from there. Listen, the Elijahs of our generation are not on the platform, y'all. They're not speaking at passion anytime soon. The most powerful voices that God has put to change this generation and bring this earth from, from chaos back into order are people like you with a nature like Elijah's who don't have a following, who will never speak to multitudes, but they spend time with God allowing Him to pour into them just... Just so that if God would only choose to use me for one minute to speak one sentence to one person, so be it. And I want to tell you, that is the spirit of Elijah that needs to return. That God's looking for in this generation. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for a moment? And if you're here tonight and you say, you know what, first of all, Brian, man, I've, I've counted myself out. 
I'm supportive and I love the church and all that. But man, you're right. I haven't plugged into God and searched in His Word and wanted to live it radically out in my own walk with Him. And if God would just use me for one sentence and one minute for one person, then that's a wonderful thing. Maybe you just want to get in this altar tonight and say, God, give me a passion. Lord, show me. Help me to live and before my children, before my grandchildren, before the youth and children of this church. Lord, help them to see me live in a way where I have to rely on you even to the point that the birds would bring me bread. God, do things in me. Maybe right now you're walking off into sin. God is telling you, you are going into a dangerous place. You're straying. And we're pray, we've been praying for you this weekend, man, to save your life from a destruction of sin like we talked about last night. You come in this altar, repent before the Lord, return to Him. But maybe God is leading you tonight to, man, you just, it's real simple, y'all. You really hadn't been in the Bible. You really hadn't been serious about prayer. You're not real serious about your walk with God. And you know it's so needed to return. Maybe that's your prayer tonight. You want to come up here and just get in this altar and pray. Man, I'm praying that God would give us Elijah's men and women of God. And that this church, every church, would become a pivotal place that God would use to bring people together to pray in powerful ways to save sinners from destruction, to see healing, to see miracles, only things God can do. If that's your desire, you come, and I'll give you a few moments in this invitation, and then I'm going to pray over you. But Heavenly Father, God, we, we come to you tonight, and we thank you that you, 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 did, you haven't chosen to use the most talented, most incredible. You, you haven't relegated it to just a few that can get power like this, but Lord, you have taken one of the most powerful men in the Bible and told us he's got a nature like ours. Lord, where did he get that power? We want it too. Lord, I pray you raise up Elijah's here in Petito Key, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together. While the invitation is given, I give you just a few moments to come. You come on right now. Come on. If you need to be saved, find one of the pastors. Talk to them. Man, if you're looking for that anointing of Elijah, you're welcome. Come on in this altar right now. I'll give you just a few moments to get here. Come on. else. Come on. Maybe you're here tonight and you say, Brian, man, things in my family, I can't, I can't get there because, man, we're, we're falling into chaos. My life is crazy right now. Need prayer, you come on. Any other need, you come on. Anybody else? I'll give you just a moment to get here. Anybody else? So I want to pray Genesis 1 over you tonight. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you knowing that in the beginning you created the heavens and the earth, and there's not one person in this room that does not exist without your sovereignty. God, you have chosen every person in this room right here in this moment, to exist in space and time. And so, Lord, I pray, as the earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep, Lord, there may be folks in this altar, Lord, folks in this room, who feel like they're in darkness right now. Things are chaotic at work and at home and at school and 
in their head and their heart. God, so much darkness and formlessness and chaos. And Lord, we're scared. But Lord, help us to see that in the beginning of the creation and even now that your spirit is hovering over the face of the waters. Lord, it doesn't overcome you. Your, your spirit does not run from the chaos of our lives. But Lord, it's sovereign even over it. And so Lord, we pray as you said, let there be light. Lord, I pray that light would come in to so many situations in this room right now. God, where there's darkness and hurt and pain, Lord, we pray that there would be light. And Lord, I pray for people tonight who are overwhelmed by discouragement. Lord, in so many times of discouragement, all we can see is darkness. But Lord, I pray right now as we are in this altar that, Lord, you would flood our mind with the library of blessings that you have cataloged in our lives. And Lord, help us to look around and see that it's not all darkness. But God, right now, remind some people of the light that's in their life. And Lord, let them call it good right now. Lord, you saw it and it was good. And so, Lord, I pray, just like you did in the creation, that you would separate land from waters. Lord, that, that in people's lives, God, that you would give them places to stand and to plant. Places in their lives where they did not think these things could exist. That, God, you would give them places to grow and to be nurtured and to multiply for the glory of God. Lord, I pray that you would rescue some people out of darkness. Show them that you want to use them like Elijah. To be passionate for the word of God, to be passionate for prayer. That if you would use us to just place one sentence in one life, in one moment, to make an eternal difference. That God, that's how you want to bring about revival. Lord, raise up Elijah's in this place. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.